0: This is the Step Over Pod with Jim Adair and Max Rappaport. Keep the conversation going on Twitter at the Step Over Pod.
1: Now, let's talk Sixers.
0: I, 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 I. Hello, and welcome to episode 67 of the Step Over Podcast. That's right. The final episode before I visit Max in Seattle and then become too afraid of flying back home and I just live there now. Uh, I am Jim, with me as always is Max. Max, how you doing? Doing pretty well, Jim. So yeah, so in case you didn't know, I'm moving in with you because I'm already afraid of flying enough to make it out there. I don't know if I'm making it
1: back. That's cool. We have a pullout. You can use that. Perfect. Yeah. Um, it's a studio, your... so it'll be a little tight with the three of us, but it's cool. And Enzo, of course, my dog. Yeah,
0: I can be your, I can be your full-time uh, dog walker now.
1: Be oh, that'd be great. Be yeah. Very convenient.
0: Uh, yeah, so this is uh, our, like, super No Man's Land episode. Uh, we are recording this. Uh, currently, there is three minutes and 28 seconds left in the NBA Summer League Championship game, which I have on in the background, which is starring KJ McDaniels. Uh, we'll have a little gap of time while nothing happens until camps and the season start. So this is really kind of a absolute no-man's land. Um, and somehow in all of this, the Sixers still grabbed headlines yesterday uh, by reportedly uh, asking permission to speak to Daryl Morey to try to steal him away from the Rockets to fill their GM position, being given permission, um, I assume so, I believe so, by the Rockets, uh, and then being rebuffed in their efforts understandably so uh max what does first of all uh i think we're both on the same page where it does not surprise us at all that daryl morey said like wow i'm flattered but no thank you uh and i'm not insulted by that in any way um but what does the sixers even reaching out and trying to make that move what does that make you think or feel about about what's going on here at the gm search
1: i mean i think it it makes me feel better about it like th- there was a feeling and i think it was kind of what we talked about last time like five months ago when we did our last podcast uh about just feeling like the, the longer this went on the more it felt like they were just going to promote from within and just yeah. move on which is like would be okay like I, I don't really have a strong opinion about mark eversley um or ned cohen or anyone else they would promote um but Alex Rucker, but I, you know, I I think I just wanted to see them think a little more outside the box after mm-hmm. doing that with Hinky, uh, doing that with Brett Brown, and then and then kind of doing the opposite when they went and got Brian Colangelo, who was the most obvious hire when Jerry Colangelo was here, uh, right. after of course uh, interviewing seventy five candidates, but still yes. a, an obvious choice nonetheless. So I I just I guess I'm I'm satisfied that they're like actually trying to do something, um, trying to get the best candidate they can. There was a rumor about R.C. Buford also that came out, I think, last week uh, from the Spurs, of course. Like, that to me seems even less likely than Morey just because he's been there for like 20 years and it's the Spurs. Um, But I guess it makes me feel like they're, they're going to, whether it's going to be one of those two guys or um like an up-and-coming assistant gm or maybe griffin like it makes me feel better that they're not just going to go for the easy hire um because if they were going to do that i think it'd be kind of hard to um you know try to try to snag buford or maury and then end up settling for someone who's your assistant gm five months ago true yeah i think it's interesting um
0: for a couple of reasons one is obviously the very obvious hinky connection which, yeah, the idea being, you know, you hired Sam. You were on board with Sam until you weren't. Uh, whether that was forced upon you or foisted upon you. I think we all kind of agree that it was to some extent. Um, and then, like you said, went kind of with the the complete 180 from Sam in, in Brian. Uh, now that Brian's gone, going back to kind of that tree. Uh, there's an interesting angle to that. Although, I don't think that's really what was going on there because I think with the Buford thing too and you know we don't really know how accurate that is um but uh if you made a list right now from like most people who like are involved in the NBA or whatever like who were the top five GM's I would say alright so who were the top four GM's in the NBA Buford and are both on that list um so it's interesting to me to not only is it like are they like all right well you know let's try to steal somebody from another team, uh, let's try to steal somebody that has connections whether it be Buford to Brett or Maurice to Sam, but the fact that they're just like they're gunning for a top guy like they're they're not trying to steal I don't know who the names of half of the shitty GMs in the NBA are but like one of those guys they're not trying Like Rich like,
1: was a name that came up yeah like right from the, like in you know, the you're Hornets know, yeah
0: you're. Right, and you know, as far as we've heard, there's not there's nothing really other than like the initial like seeming like it's the common sense move. That we haven't really heard anything about the like someone like David Griffin. Um, so it's very interesting to me. It's like, yeah, just I guess this gun after the top guys and try to bring them here, which is I guess kind of a fun funny strategy, and we'll see where that leads eventually. Um, but let me ask you this: Do you think uh, with the Mori thing tying back to the Sam thing? Uh, that would kind of give any credence at all to
1: the idea of even reaching out to Sam I don't think they will but it de- I I will say that when I saw the Mori thing it made me think it was more likely than I did before which was basically before I had it at 0% yeah, now I was like, say now it's about 3% I I uh, was going to
0: say it went from 0 to 2% for me <laughs>
1: Yeah, um, yeah. My, my my thought actually, more the Hinky thought I had was, man, if they've been able to get Maury, do you think Hinky would have come back in some role under Maury, um, kind of like as, as an assistant GM or some kind of position? You know, he's maybe Maury's the president of basketball ops and Hinky's the GM or something, which would be a dream. But um, mm. I think the idea of bringing Hinky back as the lead guy is just hard for me to imagine at this point. I think there's still bad blood. I think, um, and I do kind of wonder if, if Hinky is kicking himself a little bit for how things ended like i don't blame him for resigning certainly when they brought brian colangelo in um if if truly they wanted him to stay in some reduced role um but maybe if he'd gone about leaving differently and not the 13 page letter maybe there'd be more of a, a an in for him to come back or if he'd stuck it out in some in some reduced role with the team like he'd be the obvious uh guy to promote when brian colangelo's burner accounts although i feel like you know there was already the 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 thinking that Hinky was involved in some way in the in the dietrich brian colangelo burner account story imagine if Hinky were like in the howie roseman role of like his office in the broom closet down the down the way uh and all of a sudden this story comes out about Brian Colangelo and his burner accounts, like there's nobody would believe that Hanky wasn't involved in that. So right. Who knows yeah. how that would have turned out also, but um, I, wanna, I, I, I think it's, I think it's super unlikely, I guess is what I'll say. Um, yeah. I as much as I think it would be unlikely, a good move for them at this point. Yeah. I, I want to say that, um, you know,
0: I really appreciate what Sam did here. Uh, I, I love what he did. I, I will love him for what he, built here and the, the, the fun we've all had along the way with the process and all that kind of stuff um and i enjoy him as kind of like this shadowy like folk figure right now that like tweets once every four months it doesn't really talk to anybody um and i think i would like it to stay that way forever um because of elon musk I don't I don't want Sam to turn into Elon Musk from talking too much <laughs> to too many people. Throwing out some opinions and thoughts about kitty submarines and shit. I, How dope I would just, it be if Sam Hanky started dating Grimes though? Well <laughs> that just put an image in my head. So that's nice. Uh I don't think he would. He's like I feel like I don't know, I don't have the comparison. I don't have the analogy in my head. But I will say this. He went he just went with the ball when Musk dropped all those bucks for those plugs all them hair plugs it's not gonna do you that good when you're still kind of a weirdo so anyway yeah i'm fine with sam making never coming back ever again uh for a couple of reasons but that one has been my most recent reason
1: yeah i i get what you're saying i think i think sam missed out on um and and not the like kicking the can down the road argument but just missed out on really having to face Uh, scrutiny from this half of the fan base like certainly there was scrutiny from the national media there was scrutiny from like howard eskin and radio people and a lot of traditional media but um and certainly older fans also um but you know i think he gets to kind of have this this uh aura about him uh that You know, I guess you saw it with, like, Chip Kelly. Like, people loved Chip Kelly those first two years, and then things turned, and now everyone hates Chip Kelly. If Chip Kelly had somehow just, like, rode off into the sunset with two 10-6 seasons, which isn't even saying that much, but had just, like, somehow disappeared from Eagles history after those two years, people would look back at that fondly. Like, all it takes is, um, you know, the Sixers in the next couple years really not hitting their stride and the Celtics looking awesome and winning a championship for people to really turn quickly. right. Yeah, I mean it's like
0: this is and this is a really terrible analogy. You might want to cut this out later. Just make a note of what time it is and the timestamp. Uh, it's like you know, like Heath Ledger
1: died before he can get to, like the Adam Sandler part of his career, and that's oh, good. I I it's always like, say this this is I guess similar. I always say that like, and I guess maybe this will get cut out too. I, I feel like it's it's a good thing that Kurt Cobain. Didn't make it past 1994 or whatever because I feel like he would have really sucked in the 2000s. Like he would have been say a real that out asshole loud in Seattle. I'm I'm in a bathroom right now, so I don't think anyone mm. can hear me right now. Yeah. Um, hopefully we don't have any. I don't think we. I, somebody somebody tweet at me if we if you're a Seattle listener. I'm actually kind of curious. Other than Joe, who I know, but uh, who I know is. But yeah, I feel like I feel like that would have sucked. Like he he yeah. would have been very. He would have been like everything I dislike about Morrissey and oh, uh, that's
0: exactly it. He's he'd be fucking Morrissey. That's yeah, what said exactly. Yeah. He'd be basketball Morrissey. <laughs> Fuck. That's a good one. Fuck Morrissey, man. Um, anyway, since you mentioned since I mentioned Seattle, I just want to bring up a bit. I'm planning guys. I'm planning a bit. I shouldn't have brought this up. Cause it's going to ruin the whole bit, but every place we go to in Seattle, I'm going to ask Max if that's where Frazier used to go. <laughs> Until he asked me to please leave the city he moved to and chose as his home. Like, oh, is this where Fraser used to go to the fish
1: market? Is this Fraser's favorite coffee shop? I'm gonna have a good time with it. It would be great. I, I when I moved here, I decided I wanted to watch an episode of Fraser because I I'd only watched it just like, one episode, <laughs> just one. Ep- I think I I think I lasted three episodes. It's all on Netflix. so I watched From the first like three episodes before. Years. Before deciding, like, all right, this is uh, this is not for me. But I, I remember it really vividly because it was on... Um, Fox 29 would play The Simpsons at, I think, 6.30 and 7 when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And Frasier was always on at 6. So I'd catch just the, like, tossed salad and scrambled eggs and maybe, like, half of the final scene. Um so I, like, vividly remember the show, but uh, not anything about it. But then I watched right. it because I'm like, all right, I'm living in Seattle. I should watch this. And uh, it, it did not withstand the test of time, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. So, like, also, so this is just – this is strictly a Frazier podcast now. Um, so he has, like a like, a public radio show where he, like, basically is, like, a therapist on air, right? Yeah. If that was made now – it would be Tim Allen, and he would basically just be Alex Jones. <laughs> is that what the Tim Allen sitcom that he has is? Is that what that show is, actually?
1: What the? Uh, is he just Alex Jones Tim on that show? Does, does Tim Allen have a new uh, a new show that I was unaware of? He's had one for a couple of years, hasn't he? I didn't know that. I don't know. I don't I'm really watch TV network
0: TV, TV ever. But... Oh, you're too cool for Tim Allen, I see. I am. Uh, anyway, Nemanja Bialitsa. <laughs> Uh probably heard this podcast and went, Fuck this, I'm staying in Europe. Uh so in case you missed it earlier today, Nemanja Bielica, who the Sixers had agreed to give a one year mid level exception contract to in principle, in like a handshake, nod nod, wink wink, high five deal, um, informed them that he was going to be staying in Europe. Um a couple of different things, uh Derek Bodner reported something about him wanting to stay with his family in Europe. And also maybe there being something wonky with his visa, which I guess he didn't want to deal with. Um, what, one of the first reports I saw said that he wanted, he was looking for a multi-year deal in Europe, which if that's what you want, that's the place to go. Because as we've seen just about everybody who's ever touched a basketball got a one year deal this off season in the NBA. Um, and, uh, initially reactions I saw people were like, "Oh fuck this dude. And this sucks. Um, but I think the only appropriate reaction to this happening is absolutely nothing. Uh, because I liked the signing and I told a lot of people that I liked the signing and I thought Bigelita would be a good addition to the team. But he was not going to move the, the needle either way really in the long run on the season. Um, So yeah. This is just a lot of se- words to say. It doesn't mean a damn thing and I don't know why I brought it up.
1: I, I'm, I'm pretty bummed I will say just because I thought he'd I thought he'd fill Arsena Iosova's role, and I do think you kind of need that. I mean, it depends on – I think a lot depends on Fultz because I think if Fultz is healthy and looks good and you're confident in him going into the season, that really changes the calculus. Like, that just basically takes out 25, 30, 35 minutes. uh, Max, can you pause for one second? Yeah.
0: Uh, K.J. McDaniels just received the championship game MVP for Summer League.
1: Oh man, maybe they could use the MLE on him. He's a free agent, right?
0: Or, yeah, like, or maybe going they could use it on on summer league first teamer and soon to be summer league Hall
1: of Famer Christian Wood. <laughs> That's true. They, Christian Wood would kind of fill that role a little bit. Um, uh, yeah, I was gonna say I'm I'm bummed about Bealitz. just be <laughs> I'm bummed about Bielica just because uh, on a one year deal, I thought that made a lot of sense and. Um, he really fits what they need, but I think with, with faults, like if he's healthy and you're confident in him this season, like they're not really going to have that much flexibility in the rotation anyway. Right. Um, and I think, I think if you figure he'll play some point guard minutes alongside, I think you'll see more of Simmons at the four, but like taking the ball up in that kind of LeBron role, like point forward. Um, right. So I I think if you go that direction, and then you still have Dario, and now you have um, uh, Wilson Chandler, I think can fill some of those minutes. Like it should be okay. If Fultz for whatever reason isn't that, and like you just really can't lean on him at all, and he's um, borderline not really playing, I think that changes the calculus a lot, and that that would concern me. Because at that point you're you're then playing Rashawn Holmes, Amir Johnson, more minutes. Uh, maybe you're even like relying on Furkan Korkmaz or Justin Anderson. Um, but I think right now they're in a good position. Uh, I think they would have been a, in a better position with Bielitsa. So I'm still hoping they bring in another four. But yeah, I guess I with Wilson Chandler, that does fill some of that role, which is nice. Yeah. Uh,
0: before we, uh, since you brought up Fultz, before we talk a little bit about the uh, the Hanlon video and that stuff. Um, I'll ask you this: So, if if the team if they don't add anybody else, they don't they don't use that middle level middle level exception to anybody. The roster is as it sits right now, um, going into the season. Uh, and Fultz is, well, first of all, let's, let's say Fultz is exactly who he is last year. Is this team right now better than the team that started last season, and is it better than the team that ended last season?
1: I think it's better than – well, I think it's hard to say if there's a team better than they, were they, the way they ended last season just because they were playing so out of their minds. But I think talent-wise, the team's better. If you just pick up um, from, like, game 82 of the season, I guess, or whatever you want to say, Embiid's back, like game right. four of the playoffs of against the Heat. Um, I think this team is more talented just because you have a year two Ben Simmons – you have Fultz, who hopefully goes from being basically nothing in his rookie year to something, at least. You have Embiid, who's healthy in the offseason and, you know, should be in better shape and also end of the year super strong. Uh, and just everyone else, you assume, has a little bit of progression. Um, right. So, I think they're better. That that said, they were playing at a completely unsustainable level at the end of last year. So, um it's possible they still end this year with something like 50, low, low 50s in terms of wins. Like, right. It's definitely possible the win total doesn't look that much better than it did last year. Uh, the hope is that when they get to the playoffs, they're, you know, um, I guess just a little more polished and not so reliant. I mean, the, the way they were playing at the end of the season, I think, was just unsustainable. And when they hit the Celtics, that was when the wall, like, they really hit a wall right. at that point. And they became the Sixers from February, yeah and, the, I was, yeah, and the Celtics were playing like the Sixers from Mar- from March or April at that point.
0: Right. Yeah, I think it's it's entirely possible that this team is better. Um, you Assume that Fulton to be a little bit better. Fulton is like five to ten percent better. Even it's it's a huge jump for this team. Yeah, I think it's entirely possible um, that this team could be better talent wise and performance wise and still win fewer games than they did last year because not only did they rattle off eighteen in a row at the end, which you know. They, they were playing bad teams, blah, 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 but they were also just playing on another level and they were really all gelling together. But if you remember, because of the London game, the way that they had kind of laid the schedule out after, I think, January, maybe even December, they didn't have a late game on the West Coast for the rest of the season. Every road game, every road night game they had from that point forward, I think the furthest west was San Antonio. Um, And that's, you know, less travel, less jet lag, less playing late at night. And that just helps in the long run as well. So with a more normalized schedule this year, um, more film on Simmons. Uh, People know his weaknesses very much now. Um, I think there's definitely a chance that they could look better. You could feel better about this team. You could think they're a better team and they still win fewer games.
1: Yeah, I definitely think that's possible. Um, You know, they were just playing so out of their minds last year that, um, you know, it's hard, it's hard to match that win total, um, without a streak like that. And they're going to have to play really well throughout the year to, to match it without a, going on a crazy streak like they did last season. Um, that said, I also wouldn't be shocked if they came out and like, and and Simmons just look so much better than they did last year. And Fultz looks awesome. And, you know, they win 55 games or more. Um, but I definitely think it's not. Yeah. I wouldn't be super bummed if they win forty nine or fifty. I wouldn't see that necessarily as a step back, uh, depending on how they come into the playoffs. I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean, because I mean, I don't, I, I don't think there'll be five hundred at Christmas. You know, I think Dario massively improved last year. I think every year it seems like he needs like a couple of weeks to find his footing. Um, so you have an improved Dario, an improved Simmons, an improved Embiid, um, an improved McConnell. Hopefully, honestly, uh, Fultz. Actually playing, uh, you have addition by subtraction by not playing a Jared Bayless. Um, maybe Bolden actually like cuts the rotation a little bit and shows you a little bit of something. Uh, you got Wilson Chandler. You know, there, there's there are things there that can kind of make this more of a team than because it didn't really feel like a team until about halfway through the season because you know Simmons hadn't played and had only barely played. Um, Bayless was still playing a bunch of minutes. Fultz was missing in action so it's still very much like like the year before with with, with much more talent but it's still very much felt more like a collection of players than a basketball team and that changed throughout the year and now they're coming into this as a team um like yeah i think it's it's entirely possible that they're in a much better position mid-year than they were at mid-year last year but then they end right around the same space or maybe a little bit below or maybe, you know they could still be much higher too but they also massively overperformed versus expectations last year as well um, and you can't expect that two years in a row. It'd be amazing if it happened. Um, but you can't expect, you know, all of a sudden they're going to like churn out 70 wins this year. It seems very unlikely.
1: Totally. Um, I guess going back to, to the, the, uh, Bielita thing, do you, do you have anyone you want them to sign with the MLE? They have about four and a half million dollars now to spend either on a one-year deal or multi-year, but most likely one-year deal. Um, guys you have left out there, uh, Michael Beasley, uh, Marcus Smart, although I think he'll sign long term, if it's going to be for that little money. Um, Dwayne Wade is out there. Vince Carter, um, Dirk is is a name that, as I'm looking at the free agent list, is there, but not really. Um, I, I can't imagine he'll actually leave, but that would actually be a really nice fit. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think probably of those, Michael Beasley seems like the the best fit to me as a yeah, just bench shooter, scorer, whatever at the four. Yeah, I think Beasley's a good shot there. Um,
0: I don't think, I mean, if Dwayne Wade's going to do that anywhere, he's not going to do it here. If, you know, I feel like Vince Carter, I don't know if he officially said he's going to play another year, but I feel like he's probably done. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I think that's the t- that's the spot there where, you know, a Beasley or, uh, I know you said you were reading up on it a little bit.
1: They don't have to use that before the season starts, correct? So, yeah, they actually, my understanding of it, uh, based on Larry Coon's, salary cap faq page um i think they have it until the end of the season until they play their last regular season game so something they could do um if that's true and somebody tell me if i'm wrong on that but if that is true they could potentially wait until uh buyouts start to happen um and scoop up somebody who gets bought out after the trade deadline and they just have more money to spend on that guy than anyone else uh at least of the playoff teams so you know, if, I don't know who it would be, but somebody, you know, Mello comes to mind because he's on a one-year deal. But if somebody of that caliber gets traded in a salary dump or in a, you know, um, you know, in, in a weird trade where then that team wants to release that player, um, you could offer $4.5 million and potentially get that player. Um, or you could, um, you know, try to wait until, uh, there's a surprising cut or something and try to pick up somebody who doesn't make a team. Although I think that's probably less valuable than just picking up Michael Beasley or something. Right. Um, I don't anticipate anyone's going to miss out on somebody's roster unless it's like the warriors or something, not bringing back Nick young or, um, or what have you. But I think probably Michael Beasley is the the guy who makes the most sense there. Mm -hmm. Uh, If they don't use it or use it kind of on a whatever player, I think that's probably fine. Um, You know, I I don't want them to give it to anyone more than one year. Um, So I'm fine with them kind of just doing whatever with it. It's a bummer because I thought Bielitsa fit really well and it was a one-year deal. Yeah. Uh, And and theoretically, they could have gone after somebody else if Bielitsa hadn't happened um, and verbally committed. But I don't know if there was anyone out there who was that appealing who signed in free agency to a mid-level.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Um Yeah. do you want to talk a little bit about Fultz and Handlin footage, the, the lack thereof of footage? I mean, we've talked about Fultz and his shot and rebuilding it and how, what it was and what it should look like a thousand times. But I just want to give just credit to whoever filmed and edited that thing because there's a tracking shot in that video where Fultz is gearing up for a shot and the camera's coming around. And just when he gets to the top of the, where he's going to release the ball, the camera goes behind someone. That's like fucking Scorsese level brilliance. That's really well done. It was
1: it was real good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know what to think. I. I mean. I, I. I. guess there's like two minds you can have about it, and I. I haven't really decided uh, what I agree with more. There's one that I think I was feeling for a while, which is they wouldn't be pumping this up so much if his shot was broken. Still. Yeah. Right. Like. Like Hanlon wouldn't be tweeting all this stuff. Uh, he wouldn't be replying to Fultz you know and and I guess you think like if Fultz is posting a picture on Instagram and Hanlon's replying like wait till they see the jumper like get back in the gym and keep splashing those jumpers like you were today like he wouldn't be saying that if Fultz were struggling It was like my first thought like it would be kind of a dick move to say those things if uh, (laughs) earlier in the day Fultz was like throwing up his push shot from his chest right Um, but then there's also the thought that maybe he's trying to like build confidence or something although I think uh, maybe maybe it's somewhere in between. Like, it's probably not as bad as it was last season, but maybe it's not great like Hanlon's saying it is, but maybe it's a confidence thing. Like, maybe it's at 70% of where it needs to be and some yeah. of that hype is to build up confidence. Yeah. Um, or maybe it looks great and they're just building up hype. But right. may, I, I would think that if his jumper were fixed, we'd be seeing it right now. Like, why wouldn't we be seeing that? Well, I feel like if his jumper were fixed, he wouldn't be sitting courtside.
0: at at summer league like some kind of bum not working out in the gym studying film (laughs) fucking horse shit takes uh no i just think i think um the reason we're not seeing it is because hanlon is building something right he's obviously very successful he's working with successful people he could have mean he could have staked his entire reputation and career on in making him beat a good shooter and now working with like mo bamba and and who else is he working with uh Myers Leonard shit like that, right? Um, so he already has a reputation and people respect him. Uh, and the fact that he, like, like, again, there's, there's two minds about it that I think are minor, slightly variations of what you were saying. One is that it seems that he's, like, putting so much on this false thing. Like, he's almost staking his whole reputation on it, right? Like, I will be the guy that fixed Markel Fultz's shot. I will be, like, this shot genius. I will be set for life. Everyone will love me. I will be so successful. Uh, all this right so like why you know why would he be hyping this up if like exactly if he didn't the confidence in it he's like kind of undercutting his own reputation but on the other side of it it's like well it can't get worse so even if it has yeah. a 2% improvement he's done his job right so yeah I'm up in the air with that too but it's good that he's you know I don't know I mean Drew Drew Hanlon's making himself a story and a thing which is good for him works hard uh, but, yeah, I mean, also, I mean, there are other NBA players who are in that gym as well. He's going like, tweeting things at faults and, like, making, you know, remarks. But, again, like, are, they're also, like, all buddies. Like, no one's going to shit talk him in public. So, I don't know. It's going to be weird. I, I know why we haven't seen the shot yet, though, because it's, like, it's he's setting up for a big reveal when the season starts. It's, like, you don't give away the ending of a movie in a trailer. So, that's what they're doing there.
1: Yeah, I guess, too, like... What Part of what made me flip a little bit was somebody, I think it was yesterday, somebody posted to the Sixers subreddit um, a video of uh, Hanlon talking about, uh, I guess he was like talking to a group of, um, I don't know if they're athletes or they were like trainers or something, but he was basically talking in front of a group and he was talking about um, how to work with athletes on their shot. And he told this anecdote in the beginning that somebody pointed out on the subreddit uh, basically about his work with uh, with Bradley Beal, who is, like, his, I think his, like, biggest initial, like, NBA client, like, and they've mm-hmm. been working for, like, a decade, and I think that's why Hanlon kind of hit the scene um, with other players, I think it was through Bradley Beal, but basically he was saying that Bradley Beal, like, a few years ago came to him and was like, my jumper's broken, I don't know what to do. Um, Hanlon was like, all right, show me what you, like, show me what you're doing, and he realized in watching him that, like, everything looked fine, like, he wasn't, his jumper looked exactly as it had before when he was making it it was basically hamlin said like it was all mental like he just was too in his head about it so hamlin was saying that what he did was he like invented things for bradley beale to fix he was like oh you know your right foot like you need to maybe bring that in like just a quarter you know uh like you know bring it from two o'clock to one o'clock or something and then he'd be like oh yeah yeah i'll do that um and they'd be like, all right, and you're, you're, like, release on your whatever, like, do do this thing, or, like, try to h- hold the ball more in the middle, and all those things were bullshit and were, like, things he was already basically doing, um but then once he thought, like, oh, I'm fixing the shot, then he just started making them, and it was fine, uh which kind of, I guess, like, lends credence to the idea that maybe, you know, if his belief is that sometimes shooters just get in these slumps and just need to get some confidence or... Through him, like if if believing that Drew Hamlin is this shot god is going to make Markel Fultz a better jump shooter because he's like, oh, I'm actually going to someone who can fix this, and now he's fixing it, um, then maybe there is some of that. Maybe that's part of the showmanship is Hamlin like playing up the like, oh yeah, like he we're reworking everything, and he's you know gonna come out and he's gonna be a monster, and you know kind of talking up himself for for Fultz's sake to an extent.
0: Yeah, he's like he's placeboing their shots,
1: basically. Yeah. Oh.
0: Um, while we're talking about Fultz, I was gonna do this as a much smoother transition, but I've just decided to not do it that way. I have a note here that says "plug shirts," <laughs> that I wrote down on a <laughs> four eyes on a four eyes bag because it was the closest piece of paper that I had. Uh, we have new shirts. Here is the thing: I, we I think we said this one time before on this podcast, and like never again since. It's kind of incredibly stupid that we never talk about the shirts that we make. <laughs> it's really Stepover bad. Tees,
1: it's, we never talk about them on the step over pod. It, right. Is, it's it's it is, uh,
0: super super stupid. Um. But
1: yeah. So we have a couple
0: of new ones up. We have a, I believe in Markel Foltz shirt. We have a Ring That Bell brother shirt, which I'm super excited about. That's I that's, enjoy that's, that one.
1: That's one of Jim's best designs yet. I think.
0: Yeah, it's very excited about that. Inspired by our good friend tweets by Zoe.
1: And of course, by Brett Brown.
0: And of course, by Brett Brown. Yes, of course. The Ring That Bell Brother guy. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So we have those up. There's two new ones up there. Those two in shirts and mugs and tapestries and the like. Uh, So they're on sale for 48 hours. I believe there's a sale coming soon as well, Max.
1: Yeah, starting tomorrow or starting Wednesday morning. uh, Everything's 30% off. Uh, also exciting news is that if you're one of the 3% of our listeners who, uh, listen from Europe, we did uh, quick math. I know we, we, yeah, we did quick math on this. Um, we get, I get probably a lot of the replies on the step over Teas uh, uh, Twitter account are people from Europe or other parts of the world asking about shipping. Um, so step over Tease or, uh, actually, uh, uh, why am I blanking on the name of the fucking t-shirt company that makes our shirts (laughs) t-public t-public uh t-public recently announced that they're uh increasing shipping options so i think it used to be like some obscene amount of time like two weeks or 16 days to go to france and belgium and the uk and now it's just like normal two three four days shipping um which is awesome because um that sucks to, to buy a shirt and have it take 16 days to get there
0: Especially during the season, because we, we get a lot of things when people do ask us during the season, like, basically, can I have this by, like, the day after tomorrow? And the answer is always no. <laughs> but the uh, day
1: after the day after tomorrow, maybe.
0: Maybe, yeah. It's, sometimes it is that quick. But, yeah. So, that's always good, especially, like like we said, we're kind of a no-man's-land right now. So, if you want to, you know, they're on sale, if you want to pile some things up, that's good. Uh, but when it comes to, like, in-season stuff, it's usually, it
1: takes a little bit of time, a little bit longer. Well, it's like if you want to buy an Eric Jr. jersey tee uh, with the name and number on it, uh, by the time you order that, if you're in Belgium and that takes 16 days, like we're already past Eric Jr. We're on to like, the next thing. We're on to LeBron at that point.
0: Right. So, and then now we're already off of LeBron.
1: Now we're already off of LeBron. We're back I to Eric spent,
0: Jr. I'm going to rant now a little bit. Not I'm going to rant. I spent hours designing potential LeBron James shirts. And that's the only reason I was mad he didn't come here. I totally get it. I'm not gonna make a whole thing out of it. We've discussed this, but man, those were not billable hours, friend. <laughs> those shirts are really good. Those.
1: I I kind of feel like we should repurpose those shirts in some way.
0: I'm gonna hold on to the one. I I think I tweeted a screenshot about out anyway, but I'm gonna be able to. I'm gonna make that work in some way for something. That
1: was that was good. Yeah, that was a good one. I'm mad about that one a little bit.
0: All right. Anyway, that was plug shirts. Did do, was that smooth, Max?
1: That was really smooth. So now, uh, in an equally smooth transition, Summer League takeaways. Sometimes, can I
0: just say quickly, sometimes when I do stuff like that, I think to myself, man, Max wishes
1: he had any other co-host in the world. <laughs> <laughs> never. Never. Right. Great. Um, Summer League takeaways. What, what? Give me your takeaways. Uh, that is the segment.
0: World beater, KJ McDaniels. Uh, no. Um, the most fun I've ever had watching anything in Summer League was that first Korkmaz game. That was great. Um, we all know that Summer League means everything and nothing. Um, I think I tweeted last year or two years ago, like, if you're, if the guy you like doesn't do well remember, it's just Summer League. If he does really well, he's the fucking greatest player in the world. Uh, and it's like that, you know. Korkmaz was super hot, and then he wasn't for a while. And then he actually came around and did some good stuff, so there's, you know, you can see some things there. That's nice. Jonah Bolden did not play well. Um, but they've seen Jonah Bolden play in last year's summer league and a lot in, uh, with that in Tel Aviv this year. So the team knows what they have in Jonah Bolden. They didn't need to see four or five games of summer league Jonah Bolden to, like, they have an idea of who he is as a player. This isn't, this didn't, this wasn't his make or break. I don't think, um, I mean, he's not an amazing player anyway, but you know, he has potential. Uh, who who? You can tell how tightly I watched summer league. Who wore number zero? Uh,
1: zero or double zero? It was it was zero. Cam Oliver. I love that dude. Yeah, he's got to get a two way contract. Big I fan think he of Cam Oliver. Earned that two way contract. He's the yeah. new Rashawn Holmes.
0: Uh, when you asked double zero or regular zero, it reminded me of one of the worst lines in film history <laughs> from the Arnold Schwarzenegger classic, The Running Man, when. I may be getting this plot points wrong and if you haven't seen the running man cover your ears. But there's a character named Sub-Zero that I believe he kills and he says very loudly afterwards, "Meet Sub-Zero, now plain Zero. <laughs> which of things to say over Plane someone's zero. <laughs> Which of things to say over someone's corpse is not that great.
1: <laughs> oh man, that's good. That that's like um I recently I recently uh downloaded Mortal Kombat X. Oh, perfect. Um, which they've included now, it, which didn't exist in the older Mortal Kombat games, um, those kind of like Street Fighter um, weird like uh, dialogue that they have. Like when you have two characters coming in, like mm-hmm. they'll say stuff kind of related to the other person or to themselves, and it's always really cheesy. Yeah. But that sounds exactly like something that somebody would say to Sub-Zero after beating them in Mortal Kombat X.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Do you have a favorite Schwarzenegger line?
1: i'm not a big i actually is probably my one of my more contentious like pop culture takes is that i just hate 80s movies whoa like i really cannot watch them
0: we got problems man
1: like so carly uh my fiance had me watch the goonies recently which i'd never watched before yeah the movie sucks look the movie's ass like it it makes the movie makes no sense like, I, I get why it's it, it I get why it people like it like it creates this interesting like it's an interesting story and the, the characters are somewhat interesting although like there's no character development um the dialogue makes no sense the way they talk I guess is like very dated in the 80s and just that like it's a lot of like weird sarcasm that doesn't make sense because it's also not really sarcastic uh I don't know I just I just didn't get it I was like okay this is like fine if this movie came out any other time I'd be like this movie sucks, and I don't understand why it was a huge success like it was, and this like cult classic that I needed to watch. Um, First of all, I feel like that about most movies in the eighties that I watch.
0: You are a grown-up man, in The Goonies, as much as I enjoy The Goonies, is a movie for children. So there's that no- noted.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: there's that part of it. Um, the, oh, I, I'm sh- I'm totally shook by your I don't like eighties movies take. There was there's no. there's something truly amazing about that kind of era where like you said the Goonies like none of it makes sense yeah no shit like it didn't have to right none of it had to make sense Arnold Schwarzenegger was like like what what the Rock's career is now seems insane like the he's the movies that he does and he's doing like one he's doing like one to two percent of what Schwarzenegger was doing and everyone
1: just looked at that as totally normal I like, mean the, the 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 quantity of movies that Schwarzenegger was doing, or the or the how big they were, how big
0: they were, and how truly awful they were. How none of them made any sense. How they were just vehicles for him to murder people, then kind of quip, and everyone loved it. And I love it. It's great. First of all, that man, whose name is very obviously something like Arnold Schwarzenegger, if it's not Arnold Schwarzenegger, has played a guy named John Matrix. So let's just. As soon as you hear that, that movie's everything's just out the window. You just you're along for the ride, and that's what it was all about, man. Being along for the ride.
1: Well, here's the, here's the thing. I can get behind like, um, like I can watch RoboCop, right? Oh, and RoboCop's that. incredible. But I can appreciate that because it's like bad, like it knows it's bad, and it's like playing up to how bad it is.
0: No, Max, I'm going to blow your mind here. RoboCop isn't bad. RoboCop is satire. Yeah. Yeah, it's not that. It's actually a piece of art.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it's like... I I can't remember. Is it the first RoboCop or later... I've, like, watched RoboCop on TV, but not. uh, I'm definitely not, like, a RoboCop scholar. But Mm. there's that one... I don't know if it's the first movie where someone gets thrown out of a window and they show, like, multiple scenes of it and then in one... Like, multiple angles of it and then in one angle, you can, like, see the pad on the ground that he's falling on. Like... I, I, I think that's remember near the
0: end of RoboCop one.
1: Yeah, like, like I, that seems almost intentional, um, or it is intentional, and I can like get behind that. I can get behind mm. a movie that knows it's bad and like leans into it. Like, like uh, speaking of the Rock, like the skyscraper movie that just came out. Like, right. I can get into that, or like the newer Planet of the Apes where they just have like apes riding on horseback, shooting guns in the air. Like, that's fine. Hey, those movies I just don't also get, rule. I just don't get like all the campy like i just i just don't get the whole like uh breakfast club um what other ones were there from that era like i just i just don't get it like the ones that aren't wow. bad they're they're bad but they're not like trying to be bad wow i am canceling my flight
0: jesus christ man this podcast is over Whew. i uh, before we make this whole you know we've
1: not even mentioned the name Zyra Smith I and mean, I think we're like fifty minutes into this podcast. We've talked about like nine different movies, we've talked about Fraser for way too long. Yeah. Do we, we want did. to talk about Zyra Smith?
0: I want to make one final point about the whole 80s movies thing before we get to okay. Zyra Smith. There's something very charming about the eighties and those movies that hasn't been done ever since, which is a total lack of cynicism. Like they're like this is what this movie is and we're just gonna go all in on it no matter how dumb or silly it seems. And now mm-hmm. everything has to be so goddamn serious. And so a prime example, I, for some fucking reason, watched the newest Power Rangers movie, the live action one with oh, Brian man. Cranston. Yeah. It takes itself so insanely seriously, except for when it doesn't. And then the, the, the change in tone is jarring, and it's so bad. Just the Power Rangers is a perfect
1: example. Power Rangers and, like, the Ninja Turtle movies are perfect examples of, like, 80s, and those were also, like, early 90s movies that didn't take themselves seriously at all. Like, in Power Rangers, you're, like, punching this bad guy who literally is made of pizza and pizza flies off of him as you punch him. Like, that I can get behind. Yeah. Um, although, my, my take, I actually have a, an even more controversial movie take, which maybe I'll just put out there and, and leave it leave it hanging. Um, that movies before... 1995 generally suck. <laughs> like, oh so my God. that's a lot of, no, and I, I will say that a lot of my favorite movies were made before that, but a lot of movies that w- didn't stand the test of time just suck ass. Like so many 70 movies, 70s movies are so bad. And movies from like before that are just really overacted. Um, I don't know. Like, definitely there are a lot of bad movies now, but I just feel like the the percentage, the hit percentage on, like, movies from the 70s and 80s and definitely before that, too, was pretty low. I guess that's true now, too, but I feel like there maybe there's just more movies now where, like, every year you get, like, six or seven pretty quality serious movies, and back then I feel like you didn't. You got, like, a couple each year, and the rest were kind of garbage. Well,
0: wow. you just you just completely took the career of my favorite director and just tossed it out the window. Who's, who's that? John Carpenter. He just threw all the Carpenter mm. shit out the window. Um, I think there's a the whole thing to be said about the fact that movies cost more and make more now just makes it the job of movies to is just to churn things out no matter what they are. Um, but I also can't really argue with you on this because, um, and I've said this to people before and they think I'm insane, there are bad movies that I will never watch again that I I dislike that are just totally awful. I have never while watching a movie, any movie, not enjoyed some of it.
1: That's crazy to me.
0: I saw Ninja Assassin in theaters and it fucking ruled.
1: I I can't believe you you could say that. I'm entertained like, by everything. Like I'm entertain but there's like a there's a an uncanny valley of movies where they're like trying to be serious. They're like campy and suck, but they're not trying to suck or be campy enough um, that I don't enjoy. Like, and that's, I feel like the range of that's pretty wide. It's like stuff that tries to, that's not trying to be bad or funny or like, like fast and furious movies are like trying to be over the top and I don't care that they suck. I'm I'll enjoy them. Mm. Um, but there are so many movies that like, try to be good and they're just not good and those movies are just like unbearable for me I can't like I I couldn't imagine liking them just because it's like I don't you're not good so I don't like you and you're also not bad enough for me to enjoy you out of like some morbid curiosity
0: Yeah, I think the worst thing it can be is boring and I think even in the most boring movie I've ever seen there's at least one or two things where I'm just like alright that was you know a little bit worth the time okay Yeah. anyway I disagree. Uh, basketball
1: Basketball, but you're yeah, Zaire we are Smith, Primely
0: in no man's land here. Yeah, so let's talk about Zaire Smith. The athleticism obviously is there, which we all expected, right? Um, jump shot, where are you at on that?
1: Um, I like that he seemed confident taking them. Yes, I um, love that. I actually thought that they looked good too. Like the ones that didn't go in, just like rimmed out or. Um, Hit back rim or something. He didn't look like a non-shooter. Yeah. Um. In the way I was worried he might look. Um. He also hit a couple nice shots, like just like coming off of a screen or like yeah. a curl. Um. Hit that n one jumper that was really nice. He, he, I mean, I, mostly he didn't like stand out all that much. I mean, the things that like stood out to me were that his defensive intensity was awesome. Like he got around screens really well and was just like up in people's faces. Had a few nice blocks and steals. Um, that N1 play, uh, and that, if not the final game, the second to last game, um, just like some pretty nice passing. I thought he like showed a little bit of everything I wanted to see, but not as much of it as I would have liked, if that makes sense.
0: No, that makes complete sense. And I'll be completely honest too. And this is going to be, people are going to think I'm an idiot for saying this. I lost a good amount of enthusiasm to watching summer league when Shamit rolled his ankle.
1: Yeah. Because
0: Shamit was more of like kind of the mystery man a little bit. I wanted to see him. Plus, I feel like Summer League, no one can play defense everyone's kind of flailing around a little bit. So that's time. your time to really like kind of show off and shine if you got like a quick release and you got a good shot, which is, I think, why Cork was able would go for 40 in the first game. And it was also just so exciting. But like, I was excited to just see like Shamit just like start f- like chucking balls up, firing them, coming around screens and doing all that kind of stuff. And then once he was sidelined for it, which I understand why they just like were like, yeah, just, you're not going to play. Um, I, I was kind of, you know, kind of sucked the wind down my sails a little bit.
1: I could have also really done if he had played without watching more Eskia Booker, uh, a.k.a. Irregular Zero, Double Zero. Yeah. Um, I really did not need to watch him play basketball as much as I ended up watching him play basketball. And and just like, I think Shamit represented too in a, in a summer league where Zaire Smith and Cork Korkmaz were really the guys you cared about uh, and especially Zaire Smith, where like when those two guys were off the floor, it was just hard to watch. And yep. Shamit would have been one more guy to like, you know, it was like the, it was like the early years of the process when when MCW was off the floor and like KJ McDaniel's wasn't on there, it was just right. like sucked. Yeah, It was I, like you just had nothing to watch. It who was, was like, s- Ar- it was like Arnett Moultrie and when he was still there and whoever yeah. else.
0: Who was the dude last year's summer league team? The big white guy.
1: Um, the, the number 40, the guy from Europe. Yeah.
0: He was awful. He was the worst basketball player I've ever seen in my entire life. (laughs) And I, I, (laughs) I went in person to watch the basketball tournament more than once.
1: I mean, it it looked like he should be playing in like the basketball tournament or something. It was like like, on a, on a bad team. No, like like he's like, like
0: rec league shit. So it was good to not see that. That was nice. He,
1: yeah, he played I, the best way I could describe it is he played, like, if you've ever done my player in 2K and tried to be a center, mm. it's, like, what the first showcase game looks like, where you yeah. just, like, can't do anything. Dude, my center you skills. Move post move. You're, like, jogging up the floor at seemingly, like, three miles per hour. You miss easy layups all the time. Like, it was crazy. He was missing yeah. so many layups inside. Just, like, wrap around little, like, hook shots from three feet away. He also they were just, like, clanging off the side of the rim.
0: He also just straight up dropped the ball more than once. Like not even off of a pass, but just like holding the ball and dropped it. Like he lost object permanence when he turned his head and forgot he was holding a ball. <laughs> I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast.
1: Maybe he's I one of he our... Like Z- Zima or something, like the drink.
0: Maybe he's one of our European listeners.
1: Maybe. You can still buy a shirt. Yeah, you can don't get not a shirt for you though.
0: No, that's not great. Well, do we have any questions, Max?
1: Well, do we want to talk a little bit about two-way? You mentioned Cam Oliver as a potential two-way.
0: Yeah, Um, I'm I'm into that.
1: uh, I thought Cam Oliver was awesome. I'd I'd really like to bring him in, if they can, on a two-way. I thought Isaiah Miles looked really good.
0: Yeah, I did too. Um,
1: He had a few really nice games. Yeah. I I think somebody asked us a question. um, I'm remembering it now. I'm not looking at it in front of me, but I I forget who it was. But they asked if we think that Nemanja Bielitsa not coming over um, makes it more likely they bring in Isaiah Miles on a two-way. I don't really think that affects it. Like, I don't Mm. think – the the two-ways, I think, at this point with the way your roster is constructed, like – you should not be relying on the two way guys to play any minutes for the Sixers. Like, no. it should entirely be a practice with the big squad and play for the sevens thing, or the blue coats, yeah. Thing, um, other than those two, I don't know if there was anyone like Norval Pell didn't really do anything for me, um, Chris McCullough definitely didn't. Mm. Devin Marble, Demetrius Jackson, if, if they don't have another spot for somebody, sure, like, right, um uh you know I, i'd be fine with him bringing him back as like a practice body i just i just don't really see it like past that but i thought he was decent he yeah. looks like knew what he was doing a little bit
0: yeah i mean there was there was no one really that like you know blew me away where i'm like yo, i'm gonna make sure you lock this guy in a two-way before anyone else does but yeah. i did like him all over
1: Maybe somebody who gets cut from another team would be a a good option there. Right, and I just I did Um, not
0: pay enough attention to the other rosters.
1: By the way, the uh, European big we were talking about, I'm looking at his name, is
0: Norbertus
1: Gigas. No, he was the guy from this
0: season, wasn't he?
1: Wait, Norbertus Gigas was, uh, yeah, from this season.
0: No, I was talking about last year's summer league team.
1: Oh, I was talking about the other big white guy. I have to look. I have the summer league rosters from every season in front of me. I see who you're talking about. Uh, were you talking about who do have been? Oh, Caleb Tarzewski. Yeah, was it... he was. He was yeah. so bad. I, th- I think it was T- Caleb Tarzuski. Was really bad. Yeah. Last season, but yeah, uh, Norbertus Gigas or whatever. I I think they said his name like one time on the broadcast because he didn't do anything. And I mean, you don't uh,
0: you don't forget a name like that.
1: Yeah. Norbertus is really—it's like it's like uh, Lithuanian Norbert, <laughs> or whatever ethnicity Norbert <laughs> Norbertus Gigas Giga is. I mean, it seems um, seems Lithuanian. He is Lithuanian. I i totally guessed it. He is. Uh,
0: I knew that because I'm part Lithuanian. I sensed it. Mm. Yeah.
1: Um. We didn't get a ton of questions this week. A lot of a lot of. Uh, In the tweet, I said, send us your Nemanja Bielitsa-related questions. And people took that way too literally and actually Mm. sent questions about Nemanja Bielitsa. Did we get any questions Um, about
0: Schwarzenegger films? Because we covered our bases there.
1: No questions about Schwarzenegger films, but thankfully thankfully we did cover that extensively. Yes. Um, I could keep going. (laughs) uh, Oh, I I like this one. So this is uh, the aptly named b c collar hater at b c collar hater nice. uh this is more of a statement than a question so I guess this isn't a good question uh <laughs> but on most mostists might be the worst first time pick i've ever seen dude doesn't know how to play basketball. I don't know what calangelo saw in him he's the worst. I kind of feel like it's kind of crazy how. That guy, like, completely... F- it seems like now we're all resigned to him just being, like, a guy whose rights are going to be traded right. in five years to as pick lubricant, or as, like, trade lubricant. Um, so, that, like, sucks. He drafted right. that guy 25th last Look,
0: year, 26th. Not to defend that pick, because it was awful, because he traded up for it, but it's not like he like reached for a dude that wasn't on the boards. Like he was being mocked at that spot basically, which basically shows that people were projecting something onto him that he was and is not, uh, which you have to see through when your job is to make these picks. But, uh, I, yeah, I thought it was Terrible I
1: thought it was weird Because he was a guy Who I just didn't I didn't look at anything Like before the draft I just didn't consider him Because I just assumed He wasn't really an option For them Because mm-hmm. um, he just didn't fit um, But Like when they drafted him I watched his highlights And I'm like Okay I can see it He's like two And athletic And can run the floor And stuff But he can't really Do anything else His highlights were basically Just him finishing lobs right. And like pick and roll dunks Over and over again
0: and he's not and even else. he's not even better at finishing lobs and pick and roll dunks than Matthias Lasor, who's like four inches short, shorter than him. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um. Question I have this is unusual because we just didn't get enough questions, so I'm going to ask you, Jim, a question. This is um, just
0: I won't, This is just a a landmark episode of the podcast.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, if the Sixers can't get Kawhi Leonard. And don't look like they're going to be able to sign anyone to trade for anyone uh, this season. And you're thinking um, you're a little worried for whatever reason about next summer. Like it just seems like guys that you thought were going to be free agents are either like r- getting ready to re-sign with their teams. You're just like less confident than you were about free agency mm-hmm. at the deadline this year. Would you be willing to trade for Kevin Love, who has twenty-four million dollars owed this season? And has an option, team option next year, or I'm sorry, player option next year for 25 and a half million, which he'll probably pick up because that's more than he's gonna make in this climate.
0: What would he cost?
1: I'm assuming he wouldn't cost a lot, yeah, because he'd be uh, either an expire, either you'd be getting a rental for the rest of the season and then maybe resign him to a smaller deal, or you'd have him for the end of the season and one more season at a kind of inflated cost. Right. So my thought would be you would, I guess I'm assuming like, don't think you have to give up a lot. Right. Um, yeah. Um, would you want, would you, because I think the bigger thing than whatever you give up for him is you're taking yourself out of free agency next year if you do that.
0: Right. I think, first of all, I don't do that move unless I'm already wholly convinced that I'm already out of free agency for next year. Mm-hmm. Because that's, there's that, that's not a person you bring in um, and throw the white flag in on, on that, in a whole offseason, just because that's, I mean, Kevin Love's good, he's Kevin Love, but he's not, you know, worth that. Um, I would say if he, you know, if it depends on where you are at that time, so say so you're at the deadline, you're underperforming a little bit, and, you know, corner threes, big body, veteran leadership is what you're looking for, which is what Kevin Love offers you, and you're either underperforming and you think that'll get you to where you should be, or you're performing at your level or a little bit higher and you think he's a, he's a bump to get you up, say past the Celtics in the playoffs. Then I'd say, yeah, um, it depends on the cost. Like you said, if it doesn't cost that much, yeah, I, I'd, I'd probably do it. I wouldn't be like crazy excited about it, but I'd probably do it.
1: Yeah. I, I same, I guess for me, like I would need to know that you're out of free agency and maybe it's something where, um, if you, buys into his option or he takes his option for next season, you strike out in free agency. Maybe that's a deal you make uh, next summer where you take on um, his last year. for yeah. Not that much. And because I, I actually do believe in Kevin Love a little bit if he's healthy. Yeah, like sure. The last two years he's been hurt. Um, and obviously, like earlier in his career, he had some injury trouble. But other than that, he's most seasons played like 75 plus games, um, 75-ish plus games. And I think it would be a really nice fit for what they need. I mean, I think he fits the system. Um, In a world where you're not getting like a superstar player. right? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But that said, this is like, hypothetically, if if you think you're out of free agency, do you think, I guess the question is, do you think you could do better than that in a trade? Yeah. Yeah. Assuming that in a trade for a better player on a better contract, you're going to be giving up actual value like Dario or Covington or Fultz, even. Right. Yeah. Like in a Kawhi deal or in a Seattle yeah. McCollum deal. Exactly.
0: Yeah. You're not, you're not, it's not the sexiest deal in the world, but it might really actually help your team. Yeah. Um. Well, since, um, since you asked a question and we might not have many, can I ask you a question, Max? Yeah, sure. So have you seen Total Recall, though?
1: I haven't you got to see Total Recall, man.
0: That's a great yeah. movie.
1: I feel like I would like Total Recall. It, it's like a dystopian future thing, right?
0: Kind of, yeah. But it, Yeah, it, I,
1: it, I can get behind that. It doesn't take itself very
0: seriously, and it's very fun. Okay. And it's like all kinds of insane. You should watch Total Recall. I could
1: probably get behind it. Maybe we'll watch Total Recall when you come to visit.
0: We could. I also watched the Total Recall remake with Colin Farrell. And again, yeah. didn't
1: hate it. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like um, I really put myself out there with the uh, movies before nineteen. 19- I feel like we both put ourselves out there, both with my movie takes and uh, both our takes about the untimely deaths of uh, Heath Ledger and uh, uh, Kurt Cobain. You know, so Max. I'm, ex- I'm expecting some hate, some hate letters, and uh, some negative reviews. In the pod
0: first of all, I want to point out the fact that just basically that this the the thesis statement of this podcast is that you hate most movies and I hate no movies yeah um but I just want to bring up too more often than not on this podcast, I say something early on that I hope no one hears when they listen I hope like just kind of blazes in one ear out the other and no one really pays attention, and then you always bring it up at the end you always <laughs> hearken back to it. I'm gonna talk about it again. I was hoping no one was paying attention to that Heath Ledger comment earlier. But now we're talking well, about did, it again. You
1: did open the comment with "I'm probably gonna have to delete this off the podcast," but, but we here don't edit this thing, which, which is like really makes the re- the listeners ears perk up when you say that, and it actually doesn't get deleted. Oh man! But then, I, but then I bailed you out with saying that I'm glad Kurt Cobain died. So. I guess we're both even.
0: Yeah, I didn't say I'm glad. Did I say I'm glad? <laughs> I, we want no. to run that tape back. I think I said maybe I don't think it's you good. glad. I
1: also didn't say glad. I just said it's probably for the best, which I guess I guess is also kind of bad. But.
0: Wow. Yeah. This was this was certainly a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's probably the end of it, right? Please. Yeah. Thank. Thank God. Yeah. Okay. Uh, thank you for listening. Um. Uh, think of me over the next few days. I am, Like I mentioned at the very beginning, I am very, very nervous about flying on airplanes, and I'm flying for six hours on Thursday uh, so I can yell at Max in person about his dumb movie takes. Um, We will be back shortly after that, I assume, with uh stuff. You know what I'm just thinking now, too, actually? They're going to hire a GM when I'm on a fucking plane.
1: Well, you know as soon as this podcast comes out that they're going to trade for Kawhi Leonard like tomorrow morning. No, because since so. I'm do, since
0: I'm going to be in the air, they're going to do it. They're going to do it then. I won't be able to. I won't find out until I land. That's what's going to happen.
1: Yeah, yeah. and then we'll have to do an emergency pod right when you get here.
0: Yeah, we'll do it in your car, in the parking lot of the airport. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening. I don't know why you made it this far, if you did, but thank you guys. Um, and we will talk to you soon. See ya.
1: Hey, guys, this is John Stolnes from the Good Fight and the Phillies podcast, Hitting Season, where I talk to Phillies beat writers, broadcasters, and fellow Good Fight bloggers, as well as national baseball writers, and the occasional interview with Matt Clentac and Gabe Kapler. Also, you'll get Continued Success, a Phillies podcast hosted by Justin Clue and Liz Rocher, covering all things Phillies, and The Dirty Inning, a hilarious podcast hosted by Justin and Trevor Strunk looking at the very worst innings in Phillies history. Make sure you are subscribed to the Good Fight podcast feed.